Accelerate your career today with a master's degree in sports product management from the University of Oregon. In this program, you will learn the business of creating sports and outdoor apparel, footwear, and equipment. You'll work with a team to develop product in our on-site innovation lab in Portland, Oregon, or in your own home. Network with leaders from the industry through your mentor, instructors, guest speakers, and alumni. And gain hands-on industry experience during the Summer Immersion Experience, where you work for sports and outdoor brands and manufacturers domestically or internationally. You can gain your master's in sports product management in as little as 18 months on-site in Portland, Oregon, or in 21 months online from anywhere. This is your chance to join 96% of of our alumni currently working in the sports and outdoor product industry. Visit spm.uoregon.edu to accelerate your career today. I've worked for other sports that have had a lot of challenges getting, you know, any sort of media coverage. So definitely, definitely feel very privileged to be in this position right now. But, you know, I don't think that it will be kind of a passing fad. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. You know what's really hard about public and media relations? Getting the media to care about your product, event, or news. I love PR. Media work, content development, these are all some of my favorite topics. But I have to say, the big four sports have it easy. They don't have to create interest. They have to manage it. And that's a big difference. Imagine you're developing something new. You're at a startup, a tech company, whatever it may be, related to the sports industry, of course. It's something cool. It's something really fun. Maybe it's a new sport. It's valuable. You believe in it. And your job is to drum up interest. You write press releases. And it's crickets. You publish studies and reports. More crickets. You host events and alert the media. Nobody shows up except crickets. You create videos, write articles, craft social posts. Crickets, crickets, crickets. That is stress. That is anguish. That is like my nightmare fuel right there. I'll give you a little peek into my neurotic personality here for a second. I was that guy in college that if I was throwing a party, I would be freaked out about it all week long. If my hope was that like 30 people come and show up, even if 100 people showed up, I would think it would be a failure. I was talking to a friend during the party, having a good time. In my head, I'd be thinking, everyone here hates me because this is the lamest party that's ever been thrown. The music stinks. I'm a loser. The internal narrative was paralyzing. Then I realized, maybe I should stop throwing parties and just go to other people's parties because the stress is a lot less. But anyway, I digress. Does anybody else have this neuroses where like success is never really there? Anyway, let's relate this back to our topic at hand. This complex relationship with success has followed me through my life and career. If I'd write a feature story, I'd freak out that not enough people had had read it. I'd develop a TV show. I'd freak out over the ratings. I'd interview a sports star. I'd hate my questions. Early career me was kind of a mess. <laughs> I can look back at that and fully appreciate it. But some realizations have become crystal clear and healthy for me now. Control the controllables. I can't control results. I can only control my actions. So let's bring this all together. Pickleball has existed since 1965. What the hell is pickleball? I guarantee you for decades, 
There were people in charge of PR and comms and media relations trying to get people interested in this sport. Since 2019, pickleball participation has grown 159%. It is the fastest growing sport in America for three years running. And saying pickleball participation is not easy either. There are now upwards of 37 million pickleball players in the U.S. Pickleball players, there's so many alliterations here. I just keep laughing every time I say pickleball. Why is it called pickleball? No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. I'm sure that they do know, but I don't. Today's guest, Melissa Zhang, USA Pickleball Director of Communication and Content, is here to share why pickleball has grown, why this is the magic moment, and explore where there are great opportunities in America's fastest growing sport. At WorkInSports.com, our premium members have access to a certified career advisor to help with salary negotiation, interviewing, networking tips, resume advice, and more. You won't get that level of service anywhere else. Check out WorkInSports.com and get our team on your side. Hi, Melissa. How are you? I'm so glad to have this conversation with you today. Hi, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to it. This is so much fun. I've tracked your career for a while, actually. What's funny is when we started to make this appointment for us to have this interview, I went back through old emails and you and I actually talked years ago when you worked at at Team Handball, at USA Handball. Really? Did you know that? I had no idea. I'm springing that on you right now in this moment. Wow. I, I think I had an inkling of us maybe connecting when I was at PointsBet, but I had no idea that it would go all the way back to handball. Yeah, you've had a great journey. It's a really cool career yeah. that you've led. And I think that's part of the fun we can start to get into today, yeah. being that you're at USA Pickleball and there's so much growth there. It's crazy. So I was literally last night at a tennis clinic for my son. So my te- son's on the tennis team at the high school. He goes over to take part in this tennis clinic. There's four kids playing tennis. And all of a sudden, this massive group of people shows up and starts taping off other courts to get ready to play pickleball. And I'm like, this is amazing just how much this has grown. So I started to look a little bit, doing a little bit of research, doing a little bit of prep. Pickleball was first played in 1965. This isn't like it's a new thing. This has been around for a long time. And yet now there are over 5 million pickleball players in the U.S., according to a 2022 report. From your point of view, And I know you've been at Pickleball for a little less than a year now, but you have a perspective on this. Why do you think this sport is going in through such a surge right now? Yeah, it's incredible to see, Brian. Honestly, I've known about Pickleball for a while now. It's been on my radar, you know, for a couple of years, even before getting into the sport. And I think the biggest thing about Pickleball is just the inclusive, accessible nature of the sport. You know, you can get a game going in a few minutes, you don't really need any formal training to get started, right? So maybe with tennis, for example, you might need a couple instructional lessons or clinics to actually get a rally going and actually be serviceable in, in tennis. And that's just not the case in pickleball. You can pick up a paddle. And what I hear from people time and time again is that they just get hooked after playing for the very first time because yeah. you actually can kind of experience some of that action and a rally um, right away as a beginner, which people love. And of course, you know, one of our biggest sells is that you can be any age, any background and play this sport, right? It's not many sports out there are ones that you can see a grandfather playing with his grandson. Um, And that's just the beauty of pickleball. And that's really why I think we saw it take off during COVID, during the pandemic. You know, people were forced to stay 
six feet apart from one another and socially distanced. This was a way to still get outside and be active, um, you know, make sure that you're still getting some socialization in with friends and family. And what better way to do that than by hitting the pickleball court? So we just really saw it blow up uh, during COVID, during 2020. And obviously, it really hasn't stopped from there. So you're the director of communication and content for USA Pickleball. And we're going to get into what that means and all that detail but I'm still just so fascinated by so many points that you just made. For one, when I was doing research, almost every article I read was from the author saying, I got hooked immediately. Like, I don't think I've ever seen something like that where it is a a sport somebody picks up and they get immediately like addicted to it. I think that's amazing. And the other point that I thought you made that was really interesting is that popularity across age demographics. According to your group at USA Pickleball, half of all serious pickleball players defined as those who play eight or more times a year, we're over 55. We're 55 or over. But the fastest growing segment of pickleball players is actually under 24. I mean, that is like mind-blowing. From your point of view as a, as a worker at USA Pickleball and in your role, how, how do you make it so that it appeals to retirees and you're, you're talking to both those audiences and you're bringing them in and you have the retirees and the young folks in that same ecosystem? Yeah, we are so lucky that we are one of the rare sports that gets to boast that. I mean, I I can't really think of, again, many that get to say that they are really popular amongst both demographics on on opposite ends of the spectrum. I think for the older demographics, the retirees and whatnot, um, we're seeing a lot of them kind of have this athletic reawakening. You know, a lot of them might not have really participated in sports or might not have been as active as they got into their 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, some of those sports are really intensive. They're tough on your body. And with the kind of smaller court in pickleball, there's obviously less running involved, less cardio. And it's just easier to get a game going and not have too much physical exertion. So a lot of these former tennis players that haven't played in decades are coming back onto the pickleball court and their competitive spirit is fired up all over again. And it's just so cool to see, you know, at our big tournaments, all of these retirees are traveling from all around the country and they are so into it. They're so passionate. Um, And it's just, I think, a really nice way to, again, get back into your kind of competitive spirit, really embrace that side of yourself, and most importantly, have some fun, right? So that's kind of the older demographic. With the younger demographic, yeah, we definitely are trying to get more um, of the younger generations just involved in the sport. From USA Pickleball side of things, we have been really active, you know, working with schools. Our ambassador network has really been our boots on the ground, kind of advocating for pickleball in your local PE classes. That's how I actually hear a lot of people first introduced to the sport is through their local gym classes and high school PE. Um, So just providing more resources to school districts that are interested in having um, pickleball as curriculum and We've been seeing it in schools, YMCA's, rec centers, um, and even Special Olympics now has also been really on the pickleball train. That's amazing. So getting to your side personally, last year you joined USA Pickleball, as I said, as the director of communication and content. 
seems like a great time to join. <laughs> I mean, you. it's a, it's, you're on the skyrocket growth curve right now, which is pretty good timing on your part. Thank you. So take us through the first six months. What has that focus been like for you? What have been the biggest priorities? And, and how are you going about achieving them? Yeah. So this was um, a role that had never been created or filled before. Um, so I was the first person to kind of step into this role. Um, and that was really nice, really being able to make it my own. The first six months um, have been extremely busy, as you can imagine. Um, actually, my first week on the job, I flew out to Plum Springs, where I attended. And Not bad. Yeah, covered um, the 2022 USA Pickleball National Championships at Indian Wells uh, Tennis Garden, which is a, a phenomenal venue. It's beautiful. Yeah. There. And, you know, people call it pickleball paradise because it really is. You just look at the gorgeous palm trees, the mountains in the background and like courts as far as the eye can see. It's it's incredible. And so I can't tell you how many times I heard the terms, you know, drinking from the fire hose or baptism by fire when I first started this job, but it was actually a really nice introduction to me as far as learning how, just how big the sport is. Um, you know, I had been playing pickleball a little bit here and there with friends from my last job, but none of us really could ever fathom how big the sport had actually gotten where we're looking at championship court on, um, you know, the weekend with all of these professional players playing, you know, amidst packed stands, the crowd is going nuts. The energy and atmosphere at Indian Wells was just unbelievable. So coming off of that and having that kind of national championships experience really be my first yeah. week on the job was um, a great introduction into how much momentum pickleball has right now. As far as, you know, goals and priorities that we've been working on, there has just been so many developments in the sport and for this national governing body since I've come on board, you know, securing partnerships and uh, launching, you know, new initiatives for whatever demographic of the community we're working with. Um, you know, trying to gain membership is a big push for us right now. And just getting people excited about becoming a USA Pickleball member, what that means for them, all of that good stuff. So I will say it has definitely not been boring in any way, shape or form. You know, every week there's something new with Pickleball. That's just how fast the sport is moving. Um, but it is so exciting to be a part of and just meet people in the community, you know, our ambassadors, our referees, our volunteers. Um, yeah, never a dull moment. That's for sure. No, I can, I can envision that there's never a dull moment. Uh, we're just coming off April, which is national pickleball month. Yeah. If those of you listening didn't know that I didn't either until about <laughs> a day ago. So it's totally fine. Uh, so what did that entail? What was that kind of an event like? How do you keep that energy going? And from your perspective in your role, how are you tied into making sure it was a successful event and month? Yeah. So National Pickleball Month was established, you know, before the sport really took off like it did. It started in 2018. And previously, USA Pickleball hadn't really done too much to really capitalize the month, celebrate it um, in a concerted way. And so yeah. the goal this year, especially for me, was to make a targeted kind of intentional campaign around this month. And how can we best leverage 
our partners? How can we get everyone in our community feeling excited and involved? Um, so what I ended up doing with some help from our team is we created four weekly themes to go off of because a month is obviously a long time to celebrate a sport, right? Oh and yeah. Some sports have weeks or days. We had a whole month to fill. It's a lot. So in addition to, you know, the social and editorial content, we kind of worked off of these themes to engage with our community and kind of say, Hey, like show us how you are you know, training, what are your tips, things like that to up your game. That was one of the themes or member mm -hmm. appreciation was another theme that we ran with. And we really highlighted those human interest stories around our community of, you know, meet the very first member of USA Pickleball ever. And now we are almost at 75,000 members, which is wow. crazy. Yeah. Again, membership has been taking off as well. So just trying to highlight a lot of those human interest stories as well as pull in and reshare a lot of the user generated content of people just celebrating in their own way around their around their area or going to events and competing during April. Um, we really tried to push as much of that on social media as possible. And then we also were utilizing our partners for, you know, some giveaways, some campaigns, yep. sweepstakes, things like that. Um, just to also get kind of the, the people in our community excited about our partners and what they're able to offer. So you've had a long history and we're going to continue to get into some of your personal experiences, but you've had a long history working in communication and you've, you've worked it for USOC, Team Handball, as I mentioned earlier, points bet, and then uh, pickleball now. What would you say are some of those primary skills that you really need to have in order to thrive in these kind of roles? Obviously, I'm imagining you're a very good writer. Like, how would you articulate like, hey, people listening, if you want to work in this kind of field like I am, here are the kind of things you need to be pretty strong in. I think being on top of your organization is a big one for me. Um, I cannot live without lists and planners that I write in every day as far as tasks go. Um, that really kind of is my North Star as far as making sure that not only am I meeting all of the tasks and goals that I've been expected or laid out to do, but also that I'm being a self-starter and thinking of things that I can kind of take initiative of. So, yeah. and then as far as, as another point that has really helped, I think just being really personable, establishing strong personal connections and being able to socialize with any kind of person has also helped in this role a lot. Working with social media, working with athletes at events and, you know, people of all types at these kind of events and being on the ground. Um, I think I've really tried to, you know, just present a friendly face, right? So they feel comfortable if they're engaging or doing an interview with me. Um, if they're telling their short their story, I obviously want them to feel comfortable doing so. And then just, you know, just making sure that I feel authentic, like I'm not just someone who is there to do a job or um, that their personal life doesn't interest me. I, I want to feel like, you know, I am also there for them as a person, as opposed to just the the professional side of things. And, yeah. you know, I, I've stayed in touch really closely with, um, especially from handball, a lot of the national team athletes and developed great relationships with them. So I think just having that personal touch has also been a really strong um, piece of, I think, what's helped with 
you know, my career thus far. No, it makes a lot of sense. Those relationships are so, so important. Mm -hmm. Getting media coverage. When you're in comms and content, one of those things you really want to get is media coverage. And that can be really difficult to get people to care about what you're doing. Obviously, you have a lot of positive momentum right now. But when I when I was, again, doing my research, I mean, there's articles from every premium site out there. The New York Times, Outdoor Magazine, CNBC, CNN. You guys are really everywhere. The question I would ask to you is, how do you maintain this momentum so that it doesn't become, hey, remember 10 years ago when we were all playing pickleball? You know, like, how do you keep that momentum so it's not just a a momentary fad and you keep building off of what started to create so far. Yeah, absolutely. To your earlier point, I was just talking with a colleague uh, who works at another sport, how unbelievably lucky we are. And I do not take that, you know, just for granted. I've worked for other sports that have had a lot of challenges getting, you know, any sort of media coverage. So definitely, definitely um, feel very privileged to be in this position right now. Um, But, you know, I don't think that it will be kind of a passing fad just for, again, a number of those reasons that I mentioned earlier, as far as people who have found that this sport has given them so much more than just exercise or a way to compete. It's really become a like social, a lifestyle for people. It's become an emotional thing for for folks. I've heard many stories about people who you know, they've said pickleball has changed my life because, you know, I have made so many friends through this sport or I've lost so much weight through this sport or, you know, it's led me to have such an exciting, again, retirement or things like that. And so I think that aspect of pickleball really differs from other things that, you know, might be just a flash in the pan sort of situation where, You see, you know, oh, that was fun for a few months. It's gone now. I think people that play this sport genuinely love the camaraderie and the community that it brings as well. Um, And again, the fact that we are seeing younger and younger generations get into the sport, the fact that USA Pickleball is actively working on getting these children and young generations introduced to the sport, I think means that they will be probably playing it for life. Um, You know, it's one of those sports where you can play well into, you know, the later years of your life. So in that way, I don't think that it will just be a passing fad. You know, it's got to make work fun too, to know that so many people are getting a positive experience out of it. You know, you're not trying to thrust this on anybody. They are embracing it, engaging with it and loving it. Like that's got to make work your job just so much more pleasant to be a part of that. I think that's one of the reasons so many people gravitate towards the sports energy and industry because it's entertaining. It's fun. It should be positive. There's good things that come out of it. There's health, there's wellness. I got to imagine that feels pretty good for you to know, to be a part of something like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes me so happy when people's eyes light up when they talk about this sport and how much joy it's brought to their life and things like that. Obviously not every day is going to be rainbows and butterflies. No, Uh, no, no, no. It's not all ponies. Yeah, exactly. But no, it does. It it feels really good to know that the sport that we are bringing into people's lives um, has been overall so positive and one that, like I said, isn't just a sport for them. It's, it's physical activity, but it's also social connection and 
um, yeah. a way to reduce loneliness and things like that, that, um, you know, a lot of Americans especially need in this day and age. So definitely yeah. love how many benefits, both physical, mental, emotional, um, pickleball really embodies. One of the biggest challenges for any sport and also one of the biggest opportunities is distribution. You know, the ability to get your, your events shown to a, the largest possible audience. And we see these massive deals being struck for, you know, the NFL and Major League Baseball and et cetera. And then you don't always see as much distribution for the smaller sports and leagues, but good news, Amazon Prime signed a multi-year deal with the Professional Pickleball Association to provide streaming coverage of four tournaments this year. As a governing body for pickleball, this has to feel like a pretty monumental moment for the sport. Well, how do you think this will change things? Yeah, absolutely. It's been so awesome seeing the recent TV deal, you know, news come out. I think one of the biggest question marks for pickleball at this point in time is obviously people know it's fun to play, but the big kind of looming question that a lot of people have for its growth is, is it fun to watch on TV? Will it actually capture TV audiences and viewership, right? And I think that we are starting to see that pickleball does have that appeal as well. Um, recently, the pickleball slam happened a few months ago with you know, four ten tennis legends facing off in pickleball and it was aired on ESPN and those numbers did great. It far exceeded, you know, That's all cool. of the other conventional sports that were on TV that weekend. And so I think, you know, I am very cautiously optimistic as far as TV goes. Um, I think, you know, there are obviously critics of that out there as well, but it is a really cool sport to watch, especially doubles on TV as, as a viewer, um, there definitely still is that excitement that you might get from other racket sports. And so um, hopefully this is just the beginning as far as pickleball on TV goes. Um, I think also as big names in sport like LeBron James, Tom Brady, you know, yep. all of these big names get into pickleball as well and start and continue to invest in the sport. Um, hopefully we, we will see more of pickleball on TV. I tell you what, I used to be a lot more cynical about what works on TV <laughs> as, you know, most of my career has been spent on the TV world. And I used to be a lot more cynical of like, that will never work on TV. And now, I mean, people watch kids unbox their Legos on YouTube for hours or watch somebody else play video games. I still don't fully understand it, but you have to embrace the fact that it works somehow. So just let it be. And I'm sure pickleball will be successful as well, which will be amazing. Okay. So looking at your career, and this side of it where you're on the content side as well, I'm always drawn to that stuff. I love the content side. I love that creative side of things. What is kind of your strategy and approach there? Is it, are you guys still in that form where you feel like you need to be educating people into the sport itself? Are you leaning into the social aspect, or, uh, like the social media aspect, the virality of it, the coolness of it? Uh, where do you and your team kind of direct your efforts when it comes to the content side and that creative avenue? Yeah, as the NGB, I think we definitely try and have a big range of the content that we're providing. And it obviously depends on what channel we're using as well. 
for our membership and for the kind of content that we feed them on a monthly basis through our newsletter, it is a lot more educational. It's, you know, tips on how to improve your dink and things like that, how you can pick the best paddle for you, you know, a lot of educational um, stuff that our membership will be actively interested in. But from a social standpoint right now, I think it's been nice to not have to solely focus on the educational, super educational pieces of it, just because the sport has been growing so fast that I I think we're a little past the whole, what is pickleball phase of social content? We can get a little bit more advanced and nitty gritty, which I excites me at least. So on social, you know, sometimes we'll highlight certain rules in our rule book that people may not know about. Um, A lot of the stuff that we're doing right now is human interest based because that really wasn't focused on or highlighted in the past. Um, And we have such a treasure trove of human interest stories across our community of people who got into the sport of all different backgrounds. I mean, you know, former NBA Hall of Famers are playing pickleball now and, you know, just loving it. So I have found that a lot of the human interest angles have performed the best on social media as far as people being really interested in that kind of stuff. Um, But then also, like I said, from a membership newsletter standpoint, we've found a lot of people really eating up that rules content, especially they really want to know how they can better their game and improve their play. So um, it's, it's definitely a mix of everything at this point. That's fun. And I love that storytelling side of it. Just being able to dig into some of the, like you said, the, the people and the personalities and those who are benefiting from it, that feels so positive and genuine and and people can really relate to, which is, which is nice in, uh, in today's world of so many shows being debate this, yell about that, get angry about this. It's like nice sometimes to just highlight some positivity. Um, Okay. So I, I have to go back a little bit and dig into your background. Um, you have a psychology and political science degree (laughs) from UCLA (laughs) and you, like I said, you've worked at team handball points, bet. Uh, team pickleball now, USA Pickleball at the U.S. Olympic Committee. Two-part question. How did you go from poli-sci and psychology into sports? And then also, you've been pretty driven towards that Olympic sport kind of theme. How did it all come about? Yeah, um, I think when I was a freshman trying to choose my major, Brian, I was I was a little lost, I could say. Um, oh, same. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yep. All I knew really, the biggest thing I knew was that I am good at reading and writing. That was my strength. I was terrible at math. And so for a long time, I thought, okay, I might as well just try law school. So that's kind of how the poli-sci route came about. Um, yep. Love psychology, thought it might be applicable to a lot of different fields. So went with that as well. But pretty early on in freshman year, a friend of mine told me that it was possible to be a student reporter for our sports teams at UCLA and write for, you know, our school newspaper, The Daily Bruin. And so oh yeah, that was kind of a great program. Yeah, it was a revelation to me. I had no idea that this was a thing. Um, I had no idea that, you know, you you didn't need to have any formal background training to start this job as a student, you know, sports writer. And so once I did that program and started covering our 
D1 sports teams, you know, from water polo to tennis to volleyball. Um, it really made me excited about how much I loved talking to these coaches and these athletes and writing about them. Um, the feature stories were my favorite part, just getting, again, to see who these athletes are on and off the field yeah. at court um, and having them be excited, too, about sharing their their story with a bigger platform. So pretty quickly was like, okay, law school is definitely not for me. Yeah, let's get rid of that uh, idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Really hard pivot to um, sports communications, sports writing, all of that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it really took off from there. I started doing sports internships in college. I was covering the Patriots for a while and um, just absolutely fell in love with it. So you've ridden some interesting waves, I would say. You timed it out pretty well, I'd say, over your career. You got in with Points Bet USA when sports betting was on the crazy ride. Now you're on this crazy ride with pickleball. Do you feel like there's any things you can pull from one or the other? Any similarities like, oh, this was successful when we were really growing fast at Points Bet that you can bring to this experience? Or has it been totally different experiences for you so far and totally different worlds, totally different personas, totally different audience. The whole thing is different. I would say for the most part, it is pretty different. Um, although yeah. both were slash are riding enormous waves of momentum. Um, the strategy has been different. The audiences are different. Um, I yeah. think just working for an NGB feels a lot different compared to any, you know, private entity, especially a sports betting company. Um, right. I will say the thing about both that I, I guess you could say they have in common is that both have been a lot of fun. It's fun to yeah. be creative with ideas and have that kind of freedom to suggest a lot of really unprecedented, I guess, ideas and strategies for things, especially, yeah. Yeah. you know, for points bet, it was like new States were launching and, and just, you know, finding ways that we could connect to, the state of Maryland when it was going live or something like that was very, again, no one had ever done it before. And so being able to suggest a lot of um, creative ideas for that was great. Um, same thing with pickleball. You know, we have so much just freedom to, to think of ideas and ways to get new audiences into the sport. So um, they are quite different, I would say, but um, I'm, I'm really yeah. enjoying and also feel very lucky to, to be on both of these positive. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty cool experiences to have pretty early in your career yeah. to have two massive, massive growth cycles like this with sports betting and, and in pickleball and just to be so tied into those growth moments. I think that's that's a pretty cool thing to have on your your resume and background. I'm so, so, so appreciative of your time, Melissa. This has been such a fun conversation. I'll finish up with this. Um, we always like to leave with some lasting advice uh, in a general sense. I know we talk specific to your role, but in a general sense, as you look back over your career, as to certain steps you've taken, whatever, if a young person came up to you today and was like, I, I want to get there at some point. I want to work in the sports industry. I want to be director of a of a comms unit or whatever, what kind of advice would you give somebody to help kind of set them on the right path? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, kind of usual pieces of advice are great, you know, as far as networking, reaching out to people, not being afraid to ask questions, things like that. Um, if I could hone into two specific points, it would probably be to, Really do your research uh, before you have any of those conversations or you do that cold email to someone on LinkedIn or 
um, you know, a cold email to anyone. I think the, the times when I have felt that the person I'm hoping to connect with or network with is the most engaged is when I have, you know, really honed into a certain piece of their job or their responsibilities or the organization. And um, I clearly know what I'm talking about. And it's not just the generic, like, what's pickleball? And, you know, that's it. Um, I think I'm the least encouraged to, you know, engage with someone who is coming in, like, without any background information. Um, I don't think preparation can ever hurt when, you know, you're trying to develop those relationships and connections. And then the second piece of advice I would probably give is, especially for women and people of color trying to enter the sports industry, I would really say that while it is challenging because, you know, it's not a space that I would say has too many representations of, you know, both of those demographics, I think it's important to leverage the resources that are available. Like I know that there are some great organizations out there that specifically cater to students of color and women who are trying to work in sports. Um, And I've really tried to take advantage of those networks as well. Wise being one of them. Um, And I just think that, you know, there are so many great mentors in those organizations and, you know, scholarships that you can take advantage of because, um, it's, it's a, an important thing to me, at least, to see more women and people of color in the sports industry. So, That is a fabulous answer. I'm so glad that you shared it with our audience. Thank you, Melissa. This has been such a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you to Melissa for coming on the show. Such great insight into the world of pickleball, which I'm getting introduced to now. I still have not played it. I still have not tried it. I do still play tennis. I would like to try it. So this has opened my eyes to the potential fun and enjoyment that could come from pickleball. And I hope it opened your eyes to the opportunities that that emerge from these sports that just grow and hit our landscape and become a part of our fabric. So I do agree with Melissa that the upside of pickleball still exists, will continue to grow. It's not a passing fad. It's just finally catching on. Thank you to Melissa again for coming on. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.